Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, Stories and Sermons for the Journey. It's a channel of blessing and encouragement for beloved friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We bring you stories of good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom, and the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. Beloved listeners and friends, I am your guide, Pastor Kevin Job, and I am very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded in 2011 by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yami Cruz in Jovianos, Cuba. And my wife, Tani, and I serve as directors and chief connection makers for the U.S. branch of the ministry. Together, we have a great team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants who are dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. We pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons, reflections, and our testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Hey, last week we explored a little bit about the kingdom of God and God's plan to use us as miracle people, those witnesses who show the power of grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to drink just a little bit deeper from the well of salvation as we finish up season two of the word from the ancient path. Now, the culmination of the kingdom of God is written all over the scriptures, from from the prophets of the Old Testament to most of the book of Revelation. And since the time of Christ, there's been speculation about when it will come and who the key players are or will be. And many a fantastical image has been projected to try and capture it. But let me suggest to us today that we can find in the scripture a description of the end times outcome that Well, while less dramatic than many of the other writings, is also likely a lot easier to understand and communicate. It comes from the work of the early missionary church planter named Paul. He writes a statement in a letter called Ephesians in the first chapter, the eighth verse. He says, with all wisdom and understanding, God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, this declaration of the coming unity of all things under Christ is just part of the greeting section of the letter. Now, much of the New Testament is made up of letters, and in most of Paul's letters, he managed to say a lot more than, hey, y'all, when he started saying hello. So we're going to take a few minutes and see what we can find out from how Paul greets people in the church. First, Paul tells us who's who, and, and oftentimes about the writers of the letter. He, so he typically introduces the team, right? Himself, his fellow missionaries, and maybe the person who's writing things down for him. And he talks about their relationship to God and church and their charge and authority. And he can do that pretty concisely. Like in Ephesians 1, 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, tells you everything you need to know. And then there's who is who the God's gathering, right? Um, Verse 1 goes on. He says, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. In other words, he's talking to the church. That's who we are. We're we're holy, set apart as disciples of Jesus. And we we represent this new way of living, uh, a new community, one in spirit across all boundaries of ethnicity, gender, or social status. And then there's this other who's who that's really important, the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the understanding of the Trinity, God in three persons, it's critical to understand if you want to understand the New Testament letters. 
unity is gifted from this God expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father and Son seem like simple enough relationships to grasp, to convey, but we often struggle with the work of the Holy Spirit. And in some of his greetings to the church, Paul spells a little bit of it out for us. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, he says, When you believed, you were marked in him, that's Christ, with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit marks us as heirs of the kingdom of God. Our capability to serve beyond the temporal comes as gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's even by the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself is given his rightful title and position. And Paul tells us about who is who? God the Creator, God the Father. Ephesians 1, 3, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what do we learn about God? We learn that every spiritual blessing comes from God. And you know, that can be really easy to forget, living in a world where so many things seem to be coming to us from so many sources. But Pastor Matt Chandler in a sermon I heard once reminds us, listen, everything you own is the stuff of future garage sales, junkyards, and dumps. That little phone you carry is going to be obsolete by the time we get out of here. You're going to need an upgrade this afternoon. But we, as the church, we live for so much more than the stuff, the things that compete for the allegiance. God the Creator, God the Father provides all that we need. And then in his who's who, Paul shows us that Christ is central. All things are coming together under his authority. Ephesians 1.7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. In him, that's Jesus. Paul makes reference to Jesus 10 times in 13 verses. And he says every spiritual blessing comes through him. He says we are chosen through him. Redemption comes through him. By Jesus, we can live for God's glory. By Jesus, we're included in salvation. Believing in Jesus, we receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. Through Jesus, we're made holy and blameless. Through Jesus, we are children of God. But now remember where we started, Ephesians 1 is not just a greeting. It contains that very simple statement that tells us a big picture of God's plan. He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things and in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. And this, my friends, is the trailhead of our journey. This is the place from which we can know that God has everything in his hand. And if you don't start here, then the path you take is going to leave you lost. All things together under one head. Unity in everything. Now, in Christ, that's his body, the church. But there was this obsessive search for unity going on in the first century. And a myriad of ideas as to how to get there. Stoic philosophers attributed the order of things to reason, or to logos, as they called it. The Roman Empire sought to unify its political power, and mystery cults were trying to bring about their own visions of oneness. And so in this letter, the Apostle Paul, using the lingo of the people around him, said, Look, that unified vision that you're all looking for, it's Jesus. So we're going to take a minute now for a short break. Stay with us for more on the ancient past. 
At Ancient Path Ministries, our greatest hope is to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed. We want to see people set free from what holds them captive and offer salvation in Christ to people lost in darkness. We want to live as examples, the oaks of righteousness planted to display God's splendor. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you'd be interested in becoming a covenant financial partner or just contribute to the work of the ministry, I invite you to visit our website, ancientpathministries.org. Check out the church in action and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. So the opening greeting of Ephesians brings us this bright vision of what God's doing. It tells us of his ultimate plan and the work he does in us as Christ's church. But there's more. You see, because personal salvation is never the end game. Disciples of Jesus Christ are not merely the saved. We've been chosen, predestined, adopted by God. And so as the church, we are agents of God's kingdom. We are the bearers of the promise of salvation and grace and blessing that was originally given to Abraham. God is now creating a new humanity from all over the world. And the reconciling work of Christ the Messiah is what it's all about. And we are part of that work and part of the plan to bring it to completion. And so the rest of the letter uh, to the Ephesians has some amazing things to teach us. And at first, the news isn't very good. Paul, Paul looks square in the face of the church and he says, we were and we are dead in sin apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. But now he says, saved by grace, we're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us. We are the mighty church that Jesus promised to build, and we're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Ephesians 3.10 says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So how do we live now? I mean, that, that's a big deal. It's a whole lot to live up to, so, so what do we do? Well, fortunately, Paul goes on to explain a bit. Ephesians 4, verse 1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. In verse 17, he says, I tell you, and I insist on this in the Lord, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do and the futility of their thinking. You see, church, we're supposed to make God's wisdom rather than our own human futility known in the world. We to put off the old sinful self and put on the new God-created identity, righteous and holy. In verse 14, he says, then we're not uh, going to be tossed around like infants anymore, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. But how is it the world's ever going to grow up? And the only way the world's ever going to grow up or mature is submitted to the authority of Christ. And so somebody, that's us, church, we have to take the lead. As Paul explains throughout Ephesians, we, we have to practice integrity in our relationships. Stop, stop lying. Be truthful. Remember, you're the body of Christ. Don't hold on to anger because that lets the devil in. Don't steal. Instead, work. Imagine that. Do something useful and share and watch your mouth. If what you say doesn't lift somebody up, don't say it. 
Cut out being bitter and angry and quit fighting and being mean-spirited. Practice kindness and patience and compassion and forgiveness just like Jesus. And practice purity in how you carry yourself. There should not be a hint of sexual immorality in God's people. Kill the greed. Cut out the dirty jokes and the obscene stuff and the getting drunk because God's people don't do that. And people who do these things don't have any place in the kingdom. Instead of doing those things, be filled with the Spirit and remind each other of this. Sing songs of praise together. Be joyful and thank God for everything. And Paul explains that we got to grow up because in and around us, there's a battle going on. The world and its ways and its identity politics are going to be hostile to the church. And they're going to present us with hostility in the sweet disguise of a society searching for oneness. Imagine all the people. Our own sense of what we think we know and our rebellious nature is also going to rise up against us. So Paul closes out this letter with this reminder in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he goes on to tell us how we need to put on the full armor of God, and that it's truth that holds you together, that it's the gospel of peace that makes you ready to walk on, that it's the righteousness that comes from Christ which protects you in the most vulnerable regions. It is your salvation that keeps your head covered. And the word of God is your sword. That's the only offensive weapon in our arsenal. And that word has three meanings. The word is Jesus. The word is the written word of the scripture. And the word is the witness of the church. He writes elsewhere, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It always amazes me that God has such a clear and plainly spoken ending written for history. It's even more incredible to me that we, and especially me, in spite of our shortcomings, we have a role to play in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Now, Paul's letter to the church is clear and it's concise and it's full of answers as to why the church, the, the, the church with a capital C, is so crucial as a signpost to the world and to why we are called to live set apart from the ways of the fallen people around us. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we live and move so that Christ will be glorified. We sing, we praise, we pray, we learn, we serve, we live, and we figure out life together so that Christ might be glorified. All things in heaven and on earth are coming together under that one name, and you and I, as the family of believers, we're part of the plan to make it happen. Throughout the letter to the Ephesians, Paul stops at intervals to remind the church of his prayers for them. And each time he does so, the depth of his plea is astounding. And so in closing for today and for this season of the word from the ancient path, let me share one of these and offer it as a prayer to God for all of us. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul writes, for this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together 
with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you might be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. And now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so, beloved friends, this brings us to the close of today's episode. So thanks for joining us. Once again, be sure to check out our website, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. This is Pastor Kevin Job for Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. We look forward to seeing you next time. Que Dios te bendiga mucho. Go be the church.